Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. Uh, Daryl Slater here uh, with Steve Politti. Uh, you may obviously are noticing, and I'm sure you've, you all have heard, that our good buddy Zach Rosenblatt uh, has decided to take his talents elsewhere. And I, and I think um, rumor has it, and maybe Steve started this rumor, that uh, the reason he left is because he just couldn't stand sitting next to Steve in the press box. It happened. I, it's true. Yeah. We we've chased a lot of people away, Daryl. I don't know what I don't know what the deal is. It must just uh, yeah. I used deodorant up there. I, I don't know what's going on. That's strange. <laughs> strange. Well, we uh, we certainly wish Zach well uh, in his new endeavors, and um, and we you know obviously you know we will be hiring a new Giants beat reporter. Obviously, the beat is clearly very important uh, to us, and uh, but we just wanted to get going here with uh, an episode of the podcast. Uh, it's been a little bit. Uh, we were off for the summer, and uh, training camp, of course, started. We're talking Wednesday evening out now. It started earlier today with the Giants' first training camp practice and first uh, media availability. So now that we got kind of that housekeeping out of the way, I guess um, what um, you know we can talk some takeaways from today. But let's you know, frame it in the bigger picture here. Uh, I, I guess the the big one out of today was Kadarius Tony made that ridiculous Odell Beckham like catch. Um, we'll see if he can keep this up, right? I mean, what do yeah. you make of the this guy? He's just a yeah. it's an interesting story. I was thinking about it from the big picture of when you walk into the first day of training camp, you're just looking for some reason to be optimistic. And, and granted, if you're a Packers fan or a Rams fan, you don't have to look very hard. If you're a Giants fan, you got to look. So so if if that guy, if Kadarius, Tony, if he turns out to be an electric, reliable, 100-catch type receiver, if you, can, if you can project that, if his talent comes out in the field and he becomes that kind of player, well, then you can start seeing potential for this team, right? You can start seeing, okay, well, that opens up the running game for Saquon Barkley. That gives uh, Daniel Jones a realistic chance to become the quarterback that the Giants think he has to become. We'll talk about that later. But, you know, it, it just it just sort of opens up the possibilities. And you see it with this town. I mean, you know, <laughs> the guy's got the it factor. The catch today was incredible. I don't know, Daryl. Do you think can, can he do it over the course of the se- a, a long season? Can he stay healthy? I'm not sure. We, he didn't have a chance really to do it last year, but it, it does open up the possibilities. Sure, and, and I think with with him, the the whole question of was you know is his head in it or whatever? Okay, well that's one thing, and and your head can certainly be in it. But he is not the biggest guy, so the health factor. Yep. You know, you could try as hard as you want and and all that, but for a guy who's maybe not the biggest dude. Uh, the health factor sometimes maybe can just bite you and it's just bad right, luck. Right. We'll see that happen to him last year. Um, now maybe he was more dedicated this off season to his conditioning. We'll, we'll see again, you can never be that injury luck, but uh, yeah, look, I, I think it, if, if he can stay healthy, um, he can do a lot of things for this offense because you saw him today as an outside receiver. I mean, they were using Wandale Robinson in the slot, so he can play some outside, but right. like, he can really open things up with, you know, that jet sweep gadget type stuff, which will take a lot of strain and stress, I think, off an offensive line that, let's be honest, is still not great, right? So if they can spread teams out a little bit and do some of that, that that'll certainly help. He's a versatile guy, and he keeps defenses on their toes. And remember, with the last time we still, the last time we started last season, they, they were using him almost exclusively as, as a gadget 
type guy. And I remember the the great line Dan Duggan, another former NJ.com beat writer, had was like every time he went out there, it was like they put a sandwich board on him said that said gadget play. Like he really didn't have a chance. I think we have adult offensive coordinators now. Like we have we have a guy who's who's in, in Brian Dable who's bringing a scheme that clearly is going to be more inventive than the Giants had by a by a mile under the previous regime. I, I think that that if you're looking, if you're a Giants fan looking for reasons to hope, you're like, okay, we've got one weapon. Uh, we haven't we haven't even begun to scratch at the surface of what this guy can do. Maybe it's being too optimistic on July, whatever it is. But yeah, I I think what you saw today, you had to feel like, okay, this 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 guy's ready to go. And I guess we can kind of address the flip side of that um, in Kenny Galladay, who on the exact opposite side of the field and the other side of the end zone. Now, we should say here that the Giants work red zone today. So all their plays are basically from the 10-yard line and in. They threw a lot of fades yeah. to the side of the end zone. So this was a Tony fade coming toward us on, on the right side of the end zone as the offense was facing it. The left side earlier in practice, third rep of practice, Kenny Galladay, brutal drop. Brutal. I mean, and this is a guy now you talk about what they invested in Tony 20th overall pick. Okay. Look, that's, um, he's got a manageable rookie contract. I mean, the, it's a criminally bad contract that Kenny Galladay oh. had. Yeah. Like, is, is there any sense or any hope that this guy, if, if he can stay healthy, uh, can, can be a big body red zone threat? Like who knows? It just feels like a pipe dream right now. It, it, it does. Yeah. And even when he was healthy, we didn't see much separation for him. I think we're just going to look back on that as, as another Gettleman problem that that Joe Shane has inherited, I, mean, I don't, I, I don't get the sense that uh, that uh, who knows he could prove us wrong, but I, I that I would not be optimistic in the idea that Kenny Galladay is going to become the receiver the Giants thought they were getting. And remember what they thought they were getting; they were they thought they were getting the number one the number one guy, the big target for Daniel Jones, the guy that this offense lacked for Jones. He's been anything but and. And we're going to talk about Jones now. I'm sure the transition, you know, when you think about what Jones has gone through the first part of his career, the, the inability to put weapons around that guy, whether he, if he doesn't become the quarterback of the future, if he fails, and this is it for him, I mean, they're going to look back on it. He, they're going to look back on this part of Jones's career and say, did the Giants do right by him? And I think the answer is no. And Kenny Galloway certainly is a big part of that. It's tough because in the NFL, I mean, you look at Tim Darnold, and that was kind of the narrative when the the Jets traded him. Like, they, they screwed him up, yeah, all that. Yeah. And now he didn't go to a great situation in Carolina either, but you can't just necessarily say that forever about a guy, right? Of I don't, right. Yeah. You know, at some point, the guy's got to do it. And I think there has to be a lot of he's just got to do it here this year from Daniel Jones, regardless yeah. of the lack of continuity and all that. But certainly, like – He's got to have these guys on the field if they want to get a fair evaluation of him. And yeah, yeah I mean, I, you know, I, I just, there has to be that from Jones, but he needs the help around him. And the offensive line is still like, let's be honest, it's still not great. Um, and there are, you know, questions, like you said, about Galladay and, um, and Wandale Robinson's our slot receiver. He, remember, he's a rookie and uh, with yeah. Sterling Shepard recovering from the Achilles tendon tear. So there are questions still about the protection, about the playmakers, um, at, and they were going to be all along because they, they, you know, it's not like they could fix everything this off season, given the state of the roster and the state of the salary cap situation. So I, I guess we can talk a little bit about Jones now, because, um, I'm, we mentioned those, there were really three, the three notable plays in practice, 
from an offensive perspective was the Tony touchdown, the Galladay drop, which we talked about both of those. And Daniel Jones did have an interception. He was picked off by Darnay Holmes, mm-hmm. jumped in front of Saquon Barkley. Looks like Darnay Holmes is leading the slot cornerback battle right now. So uh, obviously we're not necessarily going to read too much into one interception in practice. Jones made a few nice throws. Um, but it, do you like what do you feel like he has enough to be a he's not gonna be Aaron Rodgers this year or maybe better, right but can he be like the the 13th the 12th best <laughs> in the league sure right no yeah I guess but this this is my question though is that is that anywhere near good enough and, and but to me the most important Daniel Jones development on the first day of camp was given a chance multiple times to give us any idea as to where the bar is for Daniel Jones, Joe Shane and Brian Dable, perhaps predictably, but they both just would not give us a sense of what, even what they're looking for, what they expect, uh, you know, how they're going to judge success for him. And, and to me, I, I think I, <laughs> between the lines, I think it means the bar is pretty high. I, I don't think that if you're, if they're building a team and they know that, you know, they'd have to sign him to a, you know, that franchise and we're signing to a massive contract. Uh, the, the ramifications to me are that, that Daniel Jones has to show a really big step, not just a little step, like a big step. Whereas you're watching him this year and you're like, okay, that's a playoff winning franchise quarterback. That's going to be hard to do. You know, even if things go well, new offense, new offensive line, new weapons, all these things working out. It's going to be really hard for him to do that. I'm not saying that he's set up to to fail because I do think they want him to be that guy and they'll give him an opportunity all season to be that guy. I'm just saying it's going to be very difficult for him to prove that he's that guy uh, with the expectation of this team and with the offense around him, even with all those improvements there. I think it's just going to be tough. It is, and and maybe the, the there's this too. Maybe it's just he's not ever going to be that guy, even in the quote-unquote right situation. It could be, of course. Maybe. Yep ceiling is just not that maybe he's just an average NFL starter and and will that'll begin to kind of reveal itself to some degree you'd think you'd hope this season uh, I think everyone just kind of wants answers that's a great point you brought up because let's talk about like so they declined his fifth year option for next year which is the smart decision right because they didn't want to go all in on I think 21 million guaranteed okay now now though the franchise tag is more like and and, and so but what is the other option? You're not going to give the guy a long-term contract that's like it's not going to be nothing, right? If it's a quarterback, you're you're committing to him financially. It's very it would be much easier for Joe Shane to hit the reset button and draft his own quarterback next year, yeah, right? I mean, of course, you start the clock over. You get a quarterback on the rookie contract. That's what they did. The Jets did the exact same thing with Sam Darnold instead of taking on his fifth-year option in in. in I guess it was a little, it was earlier in the timeline, but, um, but exactly. So it would be much easier for Joe Shane to do that. And you certainly could understand why, you know, why he would do that because you don't, you just don't see a lot of quarterbacks um, come out and play the way Jones did in his first, even at first two years, let alone first three, and then take a huge leap in year four. It just doesn't usually happen. I mean, there's a Josh Allen type situation that was like in his second year. But you, yeah. I, I don't know, I'd be hard pressed to think of a guy who all of a sudden in year four um, made a big leap. Right, right, and and so and we think of where the numbers are and the leap he's got to make. It's going to be really hard. 
you know, that said, I think people in that building are rooting for him. I think yeah. he's done everything right. I think John Mara so uh, is rooting for him, certainly. So if he does have a, a, a good step in that direction, uh, they will certainly. And that there's some talk about whether or not they would give him this year. I think this year is his. I, I, I don't think unless he gets hurt. I think Daniel Jones is going to be the starting quarterback. They're going to give him every opportunity this year uh, to prove it. New offense. They've got they've got some more weapons. They should have a better offensive line. Saquon Barkley is healthy again. He has some things on his side, but it is just a lot of obstacles to get to the level where I think he has to be for these guys to say, "Okay, we've got a franchise quarterback." Yeah, and they should give him the year because let's be honest, it's a it's it's a mullet, not a mulligan year. Maybe that's not the right word. It's the first, it's like a grace period honeymoon year for a rookie head coach, rookie GM for a team with no expectations, right? So the owners, John Mayer is not going to be coming batting on their door and saying, Oh, we desperately need to run the table and win seven in a row down the stretch to be even sniffing the wild card or whatever it is. Let's put in Tyrod Taylor. No, it's, it's an evaluation year for everybody. Like, I think Giants fans realize that by now. I mean, this is this season's not about wins and losses. That's what last season was supposed to be about, progress for a team that went on a win-now spending yep. spree. And it didn't happen. And now they hit they fully essentially with the exception of really with of the exception of quarterback, they're hitting the reset button. I mean, you look at all the moves not only that Joe Shane had to make, but the moves that he did make um in the offseason. Um and that that kind of leads to to the next point. You you wrote um you're writing a column for the, the Mar. Maybe it's already done. You're going to kick up your heels, have a drink tonight. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> or maybe have a drink while you're writing the column. I don't know. But uh, so the uh, just can walk us through here. Um, by the time people hear this, I'm sure that your your column will be out. But um, you talked to some fans and kind of took a, a broad view of where the Giants are at and, and what's sort of your general takeaway on them. Yeah, I mean, I, we were standing there today, and this uh, set the scene. You know, it's a beautiful sunny day, not too hot. First day of camp, and I had this level of the, the you know we had asked Dable and Shane about finally having fans for training camp, and they were both like, "Oh, it's going to add some juice." Uh, and we walked out there, and I, I, it was noticeable to me how few people were there. And again, you start making, you start checking out some boxes. Okay, it's the middle of the week. It's a Wednesday. It's you know, it's just the first day. People are working. Maybe they don't know they can come out yet. Maybe they have problem getting on the waiting. Whatever it is. Uh, but it was jarring to me how few people were there. And I, I went out to, and I talked, I talked to about a half dozen fans who were, you know, sitting around watching, watching practice and they really did agree. And I think a lot of them, uh, I talked to a couple of, a pair of brothers who had been there a few years earlier and couldn't get seats at all, uh, in the bleacher area to watch practice today. They had, you know, they're in the fourth row. There's nobody around them. They get spread out and they were, they were kind of stunned too. And my takeaway was that, it's not enough just to show competence, like to have off to have a good off season, which I think everyone agrees. Uh, Shane and Dable did. You know, you got to show some results. I mean, the fan base has been through a lot the last five years. It's it's been rough, and I don't think people are ready to run back to this team. You know, just because they had a couple of good draft picks, or because Brian Dable looks like a competent coach, or because. Joe Shane navigated the salary cap problems. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take more than that to win people back. And, you know, that process begins today. And yeah, I think that's, if again, the bars on the ground, we've talked about this a lot, Daryl, but 
you know, they, they have a lot of opportunities to prove that they can overachieve and they can do better. But I really think fans are going to want to see results before uh, before they buy into this. A hundred percent. I totally get where they're coming from and their lack of patience. And I kind of I kind of wrote a little bit from the in the Giants perspective, of what I think or what I think should be Merritt, John Merritt's perspective for today leading into camp. And that's this, you know, like like they're not I mean, the harsh reality is about to set in. I mean, they're not going to be good this year. This team is not going to be very good. Odds are. And, uh, you know, John Mara, obviously, obviously he's not going to fire these guys after no. the first year, but he has to show more. He finally actually has to back up his words about patience. So if the, the ironic, I don't know if it's ironic or whatever, the coincidental thing about Mara is that like one of the reasons they got into this mess and, you know, obviously, you know, this and just refreshing it for people is, you know, he was so loyal to Coughlin, to Reese, to Eli Manning for like way too long past yeah. the point of results, you know, showing that he should be loyal. Then he brings in McAdoo, obviously, and it's two and done. Okay, hey, he's decisive, right? Good, decisive. Uh, th- then, then it's Pat Shermer. Okay, bad hire, and he realizes it. He pulls the plug. Okay, okay, good. Uh, and then, but then it becomes two years to Joe Judge, and it's like you got to have some some, some some stability at some point and some patience right. with a rebuild. Yes, he was too loyal to Dave Gettleman. He never should have gotten four years. Um, so. Mara needs to be understand, and I'm sure he does. This is not a one-year deal. It's probably a two-year deal, especially if you draft a quarterback next year, because then you're looking at 2024 when, by the way, John Mara turned 70 years old late late in 2020. Wow. Yep. He's, you know, I don't know many uh, 70-year-old billionaires who are saying, oh, you know, maybe next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In any realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's – quarterback but just circling back to your point i i do think i know and I, it's i feel like we're kind of hitting people a lot of doom and gloom but like look at the home schedule though like outside the division games for instance okay they get carolina at home they get the bears at home they get okay the ravens are good they get the texans at home they get the lions at home those are winnable games right i mean <laughs> of course yeah i wrote today and it's funny like i talking about john mayer what he'll be looking for and i think I do think for the fan base and probably for him, just a little bit, like a little bit of competency is going to go a long way. And, yeah. and, and I, I, I was thinking about this today like, and I talked to a fan about it and he said, well, I haven't looked, he hadn't watched. He had a couple of kids there. They were on the slot, the bouncy slide. He hadn't watched them in the practice, but he's like, I, I'm already, I'm already feel more optimistic than I did this time last year. And I would, then I thought about what was happening this time last year. And it was, you know, Dave Kettleman chasing, you know, Kelvin, what's his name? The tight end. Okay. Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin. Oh, like he was like the guy didn't want to play for Joe Judge because of, and Joe Judge dealing with all the questions about the, the, kid, the guy's running laps and all of this crazy stuff. Like every narrative about this team on day one was bad. And today you're watching, if you're John Mary, you saw, you saw that you didn't see that you just didn't even you saw that touchdown pass but beyond that you saw your head coach Brian Dable run down there and high five uh, Kadarius Tony after he caught it uh, you're just looking for signs that okay this is just a normal team in a normal situation building good habits I don't know I mean I think I think that that's going to be part of it for him he's going to want to see that and you know I have to feel like on day one okay he probably walked away smiling a lot of people did and that's kind of going to be what it's going to be. It's not necessarily going to be about wins and losses. It's got to be about showing progress. And to put a point on that, I think that's a good point you made. I think the one thing he wants to see from his uh, 
from his young head coach, his latest young head coach, um, in, in experience, um, you know, cause I, I'd have to look up Dable's age, but he's been around obviously, but sure. Is, is some emotional maturity, right? Mm-hmm. So like, we don't, we love, we, I, you know, it was fun to, to cover a coach who, you know, occasionally popped off like Joe judge does. And of course no one's ever going to be Rex again, but you know, <laughs> you're know, still dreaming for a return of Rex. It's, ne- yeah, it's never yeah. happening in the NFL ever again. So like it's it, for as fun, much fun as it is for us to cover a coach who pops off. Like if you're an owner, like, if you, you know, Ben McAdoo, I didn't cover him, but obviously there were some things that he was probably not necessarily as emotionally mature as a more experienced coach would be. Okay. And then, you know, Shermer was what he was, but, but Joe judge clearly showed some signs of, okay, this is a, uh, this is a guy who's never done this before. Just from like, just from like knowing what to say and what not to say and when to just shut up, you know? And so I think, Look, it's frustrating as it is to have a press conference, you know, with Dable where it's like pulling teeth to get any information about a hamstring injury. Uh, I think that the owner probably really likes that. Um, Oh, of course. Absolutely. There's no question that he that he had to. And, you know, I think he wanted to keep Joe Judge at the end of last year. And Joe Judge forced his hand in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, just because of those press conferences, because of the instability because it looked like amateur hour you know it just wasn't the way an nfl team operates so yeah i think there's no question and dable's got some person we saw dable's got some personality his introductory press conference was a lot of fun yeah like a lot of us thought okay this guy's gonna be different but no he is buttoned it up from from that moment on uh and that's just gonna be the way it is and uh, i can kind of understand that you know i totally given what's happened with this team that a dose of professionalism and and boredom is going to be what they're looking for and 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 geez i mean you talk about um you know s- someone who cartoons cartoonish uh i mean gettleman was the rex of gms we may not see that ever again yeah <laughs> i mean that was on a different level and we don't even talk to the gm that much well what's amazing about dave gettleman it, and i like i i miss him because it was so fun yeah. uh it was he, these the fans don't need to, under, to understand this. The GM does not talk that often. So Joe Shane talked today. He got a lot of big picture questions, and he, he kind of was like, "Guys, this is day one. I wanted to be like Joe. We're not talking to you until at least the bye week." So well, we that's to- a good question, though. Are we? I mean, does he see? Has he said when he's going to talk next? Maybe not know. even the bye week. So, I mean, Gettleman did not talk. I'd have to go back and think about it, but I like think that, I think they will put him and fr- Joe Shane in front of us more often because he represents the franchise well. It's a guy you want to have out there. That's you fair. want Joe Shane to be the face of your franchise more than you want want a Dave, Dave Gettleman. Certainly after the first year, uh, I, I would be surprised if we didn't see more of him than Gettleman. But to your point, yes, we're not going to see him again a lot. Tr- yes, that, I think that they, that's right. I mean, they they probably should, and um, but they've d- just stepped in it so many times for a guy who did not speak to us frequently, um, mm-hmm. and increasingly less frequent over the years. But no matter how often Joe Shane talks, you just get the sense that um, he will he will be probably not very revealing. But I think if you read between the lines of some of the things he says, like and he talked pretty openly today about how bad their cap situation still is. And now obviously yes. he's, prob- he's probably willing to say those things because none of those things are his fault. <laughs> and of course all those yeah. things are preventing him from thriving right now. So um, that those are obviously big picture things he'll have to deal with throughout the year, like restructuring contracts and all that. But that's, you know, kind of obviously a little bit in the, in the weeds for what they're going to have to deal with. And um, 
but in the meantime here, um, we'll just wrap it up on a couple different. I just wanted to get, what are your, uh, as you look ahead here to, to this training camp, um, over the next month, um, like what, what do, what do you think are like the one or two or three biggest things like Dable and this team needs to get accomplished just from a broad perspective? Yeah. I mean, the one, the thing that struck me a lot is just talking about that offense. And I'm very curious to see what that's going to look like. Uh, you know, again, a lot of, a lot of very dull interviews today, but there were some moments today where, you know, just hearing, uh, Dable himself admit that he's got to kind of rein in what he can put into this offense in year one because uh, these guys are still learning it. Whereas when he was with the Bills, he could throw a bunch of stuff at them in year five and and all sorts of different uh, different whatever schemes plays. Uh, it's going to be different here, obviously, but I'm curious what that's going to look like and how quickly Daniel Jones and the team gets to it. Uh, obviously, I'm curious what the offensive line is going to look like. I, you would think. Uh, you know, it, it, that they would have, if Thomas is healthy, they would have, and, and, and the rookie plays well, they would have two tackles finally that would be at that level. The middle of the offensive line still shaky. I'm kind of curious how that looks. Yeah. I mean, and then going to the defensive line. All right. So, how are you going to work these guys into generated pass rush? They haven't had one for years. They've had, you know, the, it, it, KT, of course, you would think that he would be a guy that they would be able to use that talent you don't draft the guy fifth overall and not expect him to come in immediately uh and make an impact wink martindale uh, again you uh, has a reputation for being a kind of deep defensive coordinator can, that can get the most out of uh, his players so uh, i'm interested to see uh what they dial up with that but i mean you could you could keep on going on there's so many questions that they're that they it's be hard to answer them until they play a game yeah for sure and the one thing i would just add to that um you know you covered a across the board a lot of their issues and we i do think you know their secondary is something they're going to have to get sorted out in camp and now so much of this is like let's see what happens when the game starts but like they legitimately have to figure out who they're going to put out there at at, in the slot and then how much they can actually trust aaron robinson or or like do they have to go try to get a cornerback and an outside cornerback to play it opposite of dory jackson who like honestly like i've said this many times on here and written this dory jackson was really good last year and he had a better year than James Bradbury. Now let's see how he does as a number one corner. So they're going to play obviously a lot of man coverage. That's how Wink Martindale plays on top of all the blitzing. So um, before we get out of and, here. And that's where they're, that's where they're going to see the sins of Dave Gettleman too, right? Like you think you're yeah. through, you're done with Dave Gettleman. You're going to see it because they had to get rid of Bradbury to make the cap things yep. because they don't have depth anywhere. <laughs> they don't have depth. Like, give me one position where the giants are confident. If someone gets injured tomorrow, I can't come up with one. I, I mean, it's crazy. I they're back. Just speaking of the depth, their backup left tackle was today was this guy named Devery Hamilton, and I was like, oh, that's like you know, not Devery Henderson who played receiver for the Saints. This is some guy who was just like an undrafted rookie. Yeah. Like, yeah. Am I, I mean, obviously they would. If Andrew Thomas got hurt, they would find ways to work around that. They they got Matt Gano at right tackle, but again, like Matt Gano, okay, so like, gee, yeah, right? Oh, they've got Matt. They're, they've got Matt Gano. They're fine. Don't worry about that. Yeah. I mean, and then you know Matt Parrott's injury, you know, hurts. Uh, geez, so you're right. The depth is an issue. Um, they did have to you know get rid of James Bradbury, um, for cap reasons, and so the the sins of Dave Gettleman will be felt here, and that, but that's. Hey, that's how it works when you're a bad team and you're a GM that's coming in uh, to fix it. That's a, it's always a generally a big task. But bef- before we get out, let's uh, 
real quick. I now that we're I'm probably going to change my win loss prediction, but just <laughs> just off the cuff uh, win win loss prediction for the Giants this year. Yeah, I, I'm stuck at I'm stuck at five and twelve. I, I just don't. It hasn't moved the needle for me. I, I think they've got they've got so many issues, and I get it. The schedule's not great, but every team that's looking at their schedule right now is like our Giants are a win. Uh, I don't think they'd be favorably more than three or four games. It's just starting training camp. I'm gonna have to see something that's gonna shake me from that. I think they've got a lot of holes. Where where are you at? I I forget what I even did in the spring, and and uh, just I can't go six. And just so I'm not gonna be on unoriginal and go five. I'll, <laughs> I'll say they'll win four games. I do think it's going to be now that yeah. would be disappointing considering the schedule, but um, here's, here's why I think that four games is realistic because injuries like they happen in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And like we just talked about, this team has no depth, none. And right. so if they have even like two like major injuries to significant players, they're in deep, deep trouble. So yeah. That's why I'll go there and, I, you know, hey, like, I guess we'll finish on the bright side. The weather's supposed to be nice tomorrow and fans can come out. So there you go. And yeah, the great part about today, the fact that there weren't many fans there. And this is like a, a thing, you know, a, a group of, I think, about 30, 40 fans standing, standing by a fence. I'm sure they had some kind of access that other fans didn't get. But they started chanting Saquon, Saquon, Saquon. And, and then sure enough, Saquon Barkley heard them and ran over there and signed autographs for 10 minutes. So. I, you know, it might be a benefit if you go out there, if you go out now, you might be able to get some more access at training camp to players than you wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten if there's a bigger crowd. So looking at the bright side, Daryl, the bandwagon is empty. Get out there while you can. Right. That's a great point. And so, uh, you know, these, a lot of these practices are open to fans and that we have a whole, I think a post and there about which practices are open to fans. And there's a, you know, the giants have that on their site. So, yeah, maybe we'll see some of you guys out there. But in the meantime, be sure to uh, subscribe, follow, or, or rate, review us, whatever you, you want to do on the various podcasting platforms. And uh, we will uh, chat with you guys soon. Take care.